everybody welcome to edgy match so thank you so much for joining us for our special special episode tonight we are talking to none other than dr sheldon akins hey sheldon how are you today i am doing good i'm excited thanks for having me oh super excited to have you on here thank you so much for making the time and and for chatting with us tonight so um so for those of you who don't know uh dr sheldon akins and i'm gonna ask you to introduce yourself if you could Tell us a little bit about your background and who or what inspired you to go into education. Okay, yeah, so I I taught in a classroom history. So I was a history education major back in those college days. And so I spent, spent my time doing, doing that um, primarily in uh, private schools. And so in that meantime, I was I worked on my master's in leadership and then also uh, I eventually got a PhD. But uh, yeah, history was my subject. I also taught religion as well. Uh, currently, I work at, as the special education director for the Shoshone Bannock School District, which is a small uh, school district here in good old Fort Hall, Idaho. So uh, yeah, it's it's been a great journey so far. I've been recently just actually started that job back in November. So uh, still kind of fresh legs, still new to it, uh, to the position, uh, but I've, I've been learning so much and, and had a great opportunity to meet some awesome kids. Oh, that is excellent. They are definitely lucky to have you there. So awesomeness and congrats on the, on the new beginning. So tell us a little bit about some of your, uh, some of your educational passions. Educational passions. Oh, and sir, I did not answer your other question. What got me into to education? So let me, I got to bring that one in too. Um, but as far as education, passion, you know, I, I am, I, I represent 0.8% of African Americans in the state of the whole state of Idaho. Um, prior to that, uh, I had, I, I lived in Oregon as a, I was a school principal in Oregon and, you know, just kind of, I never thought I would, you know, growing up in Houston, Texas, I, I never thought I would end up migrating to this area, but some of my passions include just trying to ensure that there's equity. Uh, I've seen a lot of things and, and I love living in Idaho, so don't get me wrong, but I've seen a lot of things where it's just a lot of, um, a lot of folks just maybe just don't have experience with people of color, especially for, for black folks. And so I, I find myself educating and, and taking certain moments or experiences that I have as a way to not necessarily uh, lash out or react in a, in a, in a, I guess, just be upset. I try to make sure that uh, my responses are educational. So that's kind of where my podcast kind of started was just, it's, it's all about equity and it's all about ensuring that each student, not just all students, but each student gets the, the services, whatever resources, everything that they need, uh, whether that's culturally re relevant pedagogy, whether that's uh, just uh, making sure that they have lunch to eat, uh, just those little things to make sure that we're, we're keeping, uh, keeping in mind the students need to have their ind individual needs met. Now, to answer your question prior, 
uh, how I got into education. So I had a really cool history teacher. His name was Mr. Fielder, awesome guy, uh, when I was in the 12th grade. And he taught us history slash basketball coach. And so I said, you know what, man, this is the coolest guy ever. I want to be just like this man when I grew up. And so when I went to college, that's what I majored in. I majored in history. And then I first teaching job, you know what I did? I coached basketball and I uh, got to teach history. So um, that was how I got into the field of education. Yeah, we definitely have that in common, the basketball coaching. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That is a different, a different world than, you know, it's funny. You get to see a different side of the kids and also a different side of their parents, right? <laughs> and, and a different side of the coach too, slash teacher. You know, sometimes it can get heated. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, I hear you. Totally, totally hear you on that. But I was definitely rocking with everything that you were saying also about uh, your passions and making sure that students have everything that they need. Um, and also, you know, representing that 0.8% of your state. So um, I am definitely rocking with you on that. So um, so we've been connected now for a couple of months. Um, yeah. I first connected with you in the RJ League Voxer group. So what, uh, what has been your experience with uh, restorative justice? You know, that's a good question because I don't, I'm not in an official environment that, that practices restorative justice. Uh, however, I've been trying to throw little things every now and then. So, uh, for example, I, I work in SPED, and so I had a student that um, was kind of challenging to one of our teachers. And um, she came to me and talked to me about some of the scenarios that had happened some the situations that had occurred within the last couple of weeks. And so I, I felt that it was a time for us to circle up. And so that's what we did. The three of us, we sat down and we kind of just talked today. We talked about, you know, what had happened, some of those occurrences that had happened. Uh, I was able to bring in a teacher's perspective and she was able to share how that made her feel. And the teacher, uh, the student was able to share how, how he felt. And I felt like there was a good resolution uh, as far as, you know, they both, I guess, made some compromises and agreed on certain things going forward. And so I felt that it was good. And I followed up with the teacher afterwards and she was very excited. Uh, she felt like there was a good breakthrough. Uh, I uh, talked to the, to the student and uh, he felt like, you know, he was kind of, um, I guess he felt like there was some progress, but he was still kind of like, in a still processing things, I guess. And so that that was good. Um, like I said, it's not official. And I know I'm not an expert, nor do I claim to be. I'm still learning. Uh, being a part of the RJ League and the Boxer Group has been very helpful, beneficial, because not only are the educators in that room providing resources, but like I can easily, you know, do a box with one of the members within the group and say, hey, I got a quick question. These are the things I'm thinking about. What are your thoughts? And like some of the experts, like Victor or Demetrius, some of them, they'll they'll respond and let me know. Like, here's some thoughts. Here's some some pointers. Here's some things that you can go. With. So, from my my own professional development, you know, selfishly, I love being in a boxer group because you get to learn. You know, you get to learn so much, and you know, a lot of the stories that um, the group shares. So it's it's been amazing. It's been an amazing journey. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great group of people. Very knowledgeable, very open and willing to share. So, yes, it's been great learning with you and from you in that group. Um, so 
So awesomeness. So in that group, you talked one day about your podcast and, you know, I'm a huge podcast junkie. So I was just like, oh, let me check it out. So I've been I've been hooked ever since I started listening. I think like ever since that day, I have not missed an episode from that day on. So um, I know that you mentioned it a little in your introduction, but tell us a little more about leading equity, please. Sure. And, and my humble thank you. I appreciate any listeners. Um, and that's and that's why I do it. Uh I would I will go back to July. So I started I just started the podcast back in July, and I was at a point in the summer. You know how summer is. You know you're as you're educated. You're you're always thinking, what am I going to do for the next? You know what's coming up for the school year. And so I was thinking about doing a blog, uh, but then I had a colleague that introduced me to podcasting, and so I started looking up various education podcasts. Um, and I mean, there's some great podcasts out there. It just I wasn't finding uh, podcasts that would consistently speak about uh, subjects such as equity and diversity and inclusion, those kind of subjects on a consistent basis. So every now and then I would hear an episode here or there. Um, a lot of times a person of color that might be on those shows would be the one talking about diversity and it wouldn't be much more than that. Like, Usually, if I saw someone of color, that was usually the topic that, that came up. So I said, you know what? I and, I, and I and it was early on in my podcast search career that I just I just didn't find anything. I just could not find anything that was consistently speaking about equity. Uh, and so I started. And you know what? I said, you know what? Let me just start. With it. And it's it's always that first episode. It's like, do I want to put this out there to the world? I'm, I'm going public. You know, like one of those kind of situations. But you know what? I just said, let's do this. Let's let's roll with it. And you know, it, it's just it's been a learning process. I over the over over time, I've been able to speak to other podcasters and kind of get some ideas and kind of see how they do things, how their workflow is, and how they're managing their time. Um, and it's it's just been a, a great journey. And basically, the focus of the podcast is. To ensure that you know those who are listening, my goal is to get those who um, who are into it, who are listening, to um, you know make sure that they're ensuring equity within their their whatever setting they're in. And you know, there's always a big difference between equality and equity. So it's going beyond just making sure everyone has the same playing field. You you want to make sure that each individual is getting what they need. And so that's what each episode is about. And so I appreciate the listeners. Um, it's been a great, I've, I've met so many people. I've, I've learned so much, you know, even me as a person of color, I mean, there's things that I, you know, I just automatically, oh yeah, I've lived this life. You know, I know everything and I'm just fine. I don't know, I don't know everything. <laughs> there's so much that I don't know. Uh, and it's research-based and, or it's, uh, uh, you know, I, more, you know, if it's not theoretical, it's more practical, just things I haven't thought about or considered. And I just, every every episode, every person I've talked to, I've been able to, to gain some, some knowledge and some, to learn some things. Yeah, absolutely. So much great insight shared from you and from your guests on that podcast. So everybody who's interested, please check that out. You, you, will, you will love it. So leading equity. Excellent. Excellent. Stay tuned. The EduMatch podcast will be right back. 
Edumatch is proud to present our first feature-length documentary. Over time, what I just really had to do was I had to educate myself on education, educate myself on business, and then try to figure out how to make the two come together. In a film by Dr. Will. I want to make it look like I don't feel like I'm working a day in my life. Like when I'm working side by side with a district, I want to be having fun. I want to want to be there. You know, if I wasn't having to take vacation days or be away from my wife and kids, you know, be away from my family, I'd almost want to go do it. If I could do it for free, I'd want to go do it for free. Education is a service industry and we are not used to talking about money, making additional money. For me, finding that balance of what I'm offering that's free versus what I'm offering that's paid for. You know, on my blog, I don't do any advertising and that's very intentional. Like I have the books that I've written on the side and that's enough self-advertising. Eight entrepreneurs share. Look to the left and look to the right. One of those people are gonna make a mistake. Try not to duplicate that. So people don't see that. They see your hour on the stage. They don't see the risk you've taken to get that. They don't see all of the challenge and the change. They don't see the pain that is the root of passion. They don't see the suffering. Their successes, challenges, and lessons. When I am home, I am present. I am making sure that I am on a flight. If I'm away all week, I'm home for, I get home Friday night and I'm here the weekend and I'm doing everything I can to be a good husband, a good father, a good friend. So that work-life balance is knowing when to shut down. I don't want to be known as a fad. Like, oh, every future I came through with this thing and now it's no longer relevant. So I, I just, I said, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to keep it real. Um, I'm just going to share actual experiences. I know what teachers are looking for when they come to a session, what they're looking to leave with. That's what I'm going to give them every time. The Edupreneur, making the impact and the income. Coming March 15th, pre-order your copy at videos.edumatch.org forward slash The Edupreneur. Thank you for learning and growing with Edumatch. So we're going to shift gears for a quick second. So Dr. Akins, many of our listeners are also working on their own higher learning. So uh, tell us a little bit about your PhD journey. Um, what is it in, and do you have any tips for anyone also on that road? Okay, yeah. Um, so I got my PhD in K through twelve education through Capella University. Uh, graduated, oh boy, was it twenty fifteen? Yeah, April two thousand fifteen was when I did my defense. Um, man, it's been that long. Oh, wow, that's crazy. Uh, <laughs> time just goes by. Anyway, I digress. So for those who are considering going into a PhD, first of all, I definitely encourage you to do it. Um, I'm a full supporter of education and getting as much knowledge as you can. So it's, you know, whether you have a family or whether you're single or, um, you know, whatever you have going on in your personal life, because a lot of people that I talk to about, you know, now kind of considering and thinking about it, it's always the time management, concerns or uh, you know the home life situation work situation those kind of things um, and, it, and it will and I'm not gonna lie to you <laughs> it's a commitment it's challenging you know if you're going for uh, you know whatever you're going for it's probably going to be at least three years and and so you're you gotta you gotta be willing to make that commitment however it will pay off 
Um, I, I, I would believe that a lot of doors have been opened. Um, a lot of, you know, notoriety or um, just that, pre not prestige, what's the word I'm looking for? More of the whole, you know, I respect, like, I want to hear what you have to say because you're addressed as doctor first. Uh, and that's, that makes a lot, has made a lot of difference in my world. Uh, I've always had thoughts and ideas, and I would always be willing to share those things with other educators, uh, whether it's my supervisor or whoever. Um, but I, I just I sense a difference with the amount of respect, or um, maybe the appreciation of being asked to, to speak in certain areas, or being asked to do uh, letters of recommendation, those kind of things, because they they know that you have that title behind your name. So I, I would definitely encourage anyone that's interested in pursuing a doctorate uh, to go for it. Um, you know, it's, it's, I mean, Sarah, you could probably speak on this. I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing to, to accomplish a goal, to, to not give up. I mean, there's been times where I was like, oh, I don't know. Comps exam is coming up. Uh, I don't know. How am I going to drop this 50 page in a few weeks? But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it, like I said, it pays absolutely it pays off in so many ways and and i'm glad i had myself muted because i was over here cracking up uh when you were talking about how how it'll be challenging yes I, that's the longest 10 and a half years of my life oh, right there <laughs> but i'm so glad well i'm glad it's over but i'm glad i did it so <laughs> i can definitely um agree with with what you're saying so okay all right awesome Stay tuned. Edge of Match will be right back. The teacher's journey takes a deeper look at how we grow, learn, and succeed in the world of education. Throughout the book, you'll follow the journey of seven incredible educators that share their trials and triumphs as they walk along their own journey. The teacher's journey will challenge you to reflect on who you are and why you are in education while providing personal examples and practical tools to you right now. Pairing with the book is the Teacher's Journey podcast. There you can hear great educators as they reflect upon their journey and share the lessons they have learned along the way. You can find more information about the book, the podcast, and lots more by visiting costellacorner.com, where you can also sign up for exclusive access to information, graphics, and educational training resources. Now back to more learning on the Edge of Match podcast. Prior to the show, I reached out um, about maybe some topics that might interest you to discuss. And one of the ones that you brought up were, were microaggressions. So for anyone who doesn't know, then what, what are microaggressions? What exactly is a microaggression? So I'm not going to give you the Webster's Dictionary version. Um, so microaggressions are, some, they can be intentional or unintentional gestures maybe or comments made towards a particular particularly uh, marginalized group okay so that could be gender race sexual orientation uh, disabilities those kind of things so i'll give you an example because there was a microaggression that i did myself to someone and i i had to check myself so <clears throat> i was a principal and we were having school lunch 
And so one of my one of my students who, who was Mexican, uh, we were we were they were serving Mexican food. And so he said he didn't want beans. And I said, wait, you don't want any beans? I, I thought everyone, you know, all Mexicans eat, eat beans, right? And he just gave me this look. And he was like, Australians, you know, that's a stereotype. You know, all, all Mexicans don't eat beans. I don't like beans. And I was like, oh, my God, I am so sorry. You're totally right. Like, I just stereotyped you that's what my, i didn't tell him it was about aggression but i was like man in my mind i'm like dude i just hit him up with a, something that that i can't like it triggers me you know what i'm saying so just just that alone so anything that sorts of um and again it's a lot of times it's unintentional like that situation was unintentional on my part right but then sometimes it is you know intentional it's passive aggressive way that i could possibly be racist towards someone um I'm a, uh, I'm a, I am don't, I don't keep myself up like I should when it comes to working out, but I, you know, I got a little, I got a little something on me, right? And so I could tell you, I can't tell you how many times people would automatically assume that I play football, right? They see me being black, they see, you know, I have some sort of athletic look to myself, they automatically assume that, um, that I must play football. I've had to argue with people and tell them, no, I do not play football. Oh, come on, you gotta be a running back. I said, no, I've never, I have played one season in seventh grade. That's it, right? And I was a wide receiver. I mean, I was a lot lighter than this, but you know, it's like, I don't, I don't play, I don't play football. Or you just assume that someone plays basketball, a black person plays basketball, or like, like I did, I assume that all Mexicans eat beans and, and maybe rice and tortillas and those kind of things. Like those are microaggressions. And you know, again, living in Idaho, I I, I deal with it a lot on a on a daily basis almost. Um, at least weekly basis. I, I come home with a story to tell. Uh, I, I used before the school the job that I have now, I, I used to spend my time in high schools and I I worked with 17 different high schools and there was at least two or three schools that I would dread going to because I knew some point in that day I would face some sort of a microaggression, whether if I could tell if it was on purpose or if it was real subtle and passive, but like I knew I would come home with a story. So that's, yeah, that's why when you ask me, hey, what do you want to talk about, Sheldon? I'm like, well, probably experienced a couple of microaggressions today. So let's, let's talk about that. Yes. I totally hear you on that. And, and I, I've been experiencing quite a few, you know, throughout this entire lifetime, but I feel like they've picked up recently, um, very recently. Like uh, one time I blogged about this, um, this was back in September. I was coming back from the airport or coming back from, um, coming back from a conference and my bag came out of the carousel. It was one of the first ones that came out. So, you know, I took it, you know, I saw my tag, saw my name, whatever, thought it was all good. So I took the bag, started heading towards the door. Next thing you know, this guy's running at me and he's just like, are you sure that's your bag? And I'm just like, I couldn't even say anything because I was so angry, um, but I just showed him the tag with my name on it. So I, yeah, I feel you 100%. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. So you've already kind of answered this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So why are microaggressions so problematic? 
why are microaggressions so it, it triggers people it 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 puts you like like you said like you your mouth dropped right and and it it throws you off and sometimes it, it depending on the intensity i would say it could it could mess you it could mess your day up like you could be sitting there thinking about man i can't believe this happened to me and you know we can choose like i said earlier in our conversation like i can choose to use this as a as a teachable moment or i could react and and then it's that hey am i going to be a, a become an angry black black man you know am i gonna you know look like a thug if i react in a certain way you know you have you have those choices that you have to make and, and it's like you said it's, it's it's it can be problematic so just imagine a student like maybe maybe my experience with that kid when we were at school i mean it was at lunch so how do i know that he didn't go through the rest of his day even though i apologize but what if i didn't apologize what if i just brushed off what he said to me you know like his response when i said oh you don't eat you don't eat beans and and like that just he had to go to class and you know he's thinking about it's on his mind and so now he's not focused you know it, it could throw you off um and again doesn't always it's not always on purpose but you know it a lot of times it, it comes from our own biases that we have and we all have biases and i'm sure most of us if not all of us have done some sort of microaggression towards others and so if we can recognize that we're doing those things then i think that's very valuable with how we could help improve ourselves yeah so that leads right into the next question so how how can somebody know if they've committed a microaggression and and how can they atone for making a microaggression oh that is a good question i i would say we don't always know um to be honest especially if it's unintentional we don't always recognize i think one of the things is if there if someone calls you out on it please be open to to hearing that and having that conversation um sometimes like i like i said earlier i mean when i was arguing <laughs> when i was arguing with uh, uh an individual that just could have just knew i played football uh, i just i said you know what i said do you play golf you look like you play golf um and and then he and he finally he, i think he it finally clicked because I'm like, you're you're automatically assuming that I play football, so I'm just gonna just pretend like I automatically assume that you play golf or hockey or or lacrosse or something like that because you're looking at me, so I'm gonna look at you. And so we have, he eventually stopped, but yeah, it's 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 one of those things where like if you internalize like let's say you reflect and you go throughout your day and you're like, you know, here's some interactions that I had with some students. Uh, I did, I remember I was having, you know, chat with someone and it just got weird after that. And it, why did it get weird? Could it have been something that I said? Um, I, I've, I've had an experience where I've worked with um, an individual that was a very strong feminist. And so once I recognized that she was uh, feminist, I was always trying to be mindful of the things that I was saying. Or if I have uh, I have students that are trans transgender, or um, they're maybe they're thinking about it. Um, they're kind of in that stage. I'm not really sure where they're at. And it's like I, I had a conversation with a student. I said, "How do you want me to address you? Is it he? Is it she? Is it they? What would you prefer?" Because I again, 
I'm trying to be mindful of being respectful to this individual. And so we had a conversation about it. And he's like, he said, either or is fine with him. And I said, okay, are you sure? And he said, yeah, either or is fine with me. And I said, okay, so then I'm going to address you that way. But again, I think if we're, if we're mindful of there's differences, you know, that whole, if, if we don't use that, you know, I don't see color, you know, that verbiage, but you're like, you know, I do see you have color, or I do see that you are a female, or, you know, like, if I do see these things, and I'm willing to ask questions, like, don't be afraid to ask. I ask all the time, like, hey, listen, I don't know much, forgive my ignorance, but blah, blah, blah. And a lot of times people are very happy and, and open to share with you what they prefer to be addressed as, you know, I'd rather be addressed as black or I'd rather be addressed as African-American or I'd rather be Hispanic or that. Yes. Like they'll tell you, but just ask, just ask. And I think that's one of the best ways that we can check ourselves and make sure that we are um, being respectful, being respectful of others. Yes, that communication is is clutch in so many ways. So I agree 100%, keeping the lines of communication open, keeping respect at the core. Um, I just wanted to sh give a quick shout out. I see that there's folks joining us on the YouTube live. So hello to Michael and to Marvia and to Tamara. So thank you all so much for, for chiming in with your comments as well. They're, they're having a great conversation on the YouTube live with lots of perspectives. So definitely saving the chat so that I can post it um, post it later when, when the episode posts on our WordPress. So, okay. So you, you just dropped the mic several times right now. Um, so, all right. So, so we've talked about experiencing microaggressions. Um, me personally, I, I, I usually tend to freeze up like a deer in headlights, but I feel the hurt and the frustration after I've like truly processed. Um, so what kind of advice could you give to someone who's on the receiving end of a microaggression? And and I and I and I'm I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. There's been times that I just been so shocked that I have been just speechless. Like, oh my gosh! Like, I don't even have a response at this time. Um, but then there's times that I'm like, oh no! You, I know you didn't just say that to me. So, like for example, um, I me and my wife went on a date to a bowling alley, and there's no one there. It was just pretty much me and her and maybe another couple or another person bowling. But like when we went to get our shoes and our, uh, you know, pay our way, they're like, you know, don't be making all that loud noise or don't, um, he said something like, don't make a bunch of noise because we want to be respectful of others. And I said, do you say that to everyone that comes in here? And he just stopped. And I was like, you know what? We don't even want, like, I don't even want to, to bowl. Like, I didn't want to bowl there anymore. Like, like, there's no one there. Why are you telling me and my wife to, like, we're some some kids, high school kids, telling us, you know, yeah, you don't be making all that noise. I'm like, I know you don't say that to everybody. You're saying that to us. So I think for those who are on the receiving end, I mean, you have, obviously, you have you have a bunch, bunch of ways that you can respond. For me. Whenever I can, and like I said, sometimes it's just, man, I it just threw me off. It just, I just, because I mean, microaggression, you aren't expecting, you're not sitting there waiting necessarily for microaggression to show up, right? So a lot of times it catches off guard. 
but sometimes just in times where it's just like, man, I'm just so so thrown off. It just it just like I don't even know how to respond. Um, so you can respond a few ways. I I like to use these moments as teachable moments. I like to say, you know what, what you just said is a stereotype. And no, um, I had a I had a colleague that was sharing with me about her niece or somebody someone close to her. Um, has was was black and had natural hair and so she was saying oh she got this crazy hair and i was like well you have to keep in mind that if that's if that's the way her hair grows naturally then you can't say that the person just has this wild crazy hair it's, this is the way that her hair is like this is how her hair grows naturally um i know societies you know a lot of the mainstream culture is saying that you know your hair needs to be pressed down and laid down on you know, I, I get that, but you can't just say that this person has this crazy hair when you're not considering that this is culturally, like this is a thing, like this is how her hair grows. Um, so again, that was me taking a teachable moment. Like I could have just been like, oh, no, you, you know, I could have said those things, but instead I was like, you know what, what you just said, um, here's some things to, to keep in mind, or here's some, here's some, can I put a different perspective in your way? And a lot of times people are open. It takes uh, some training, if you will, because before, five, if you asked me that question five years ago, I would have been, depending on what it is, I'm ready to fight. Um, but I'm not there anymore. It's more of, okay, let's let's talk about that. Let's, okay, what you just said. And how do you think that might make someone feel if you make, make a comment that way? So, that that is what I would suggest. Um, obviously, you, you you can you know you can get angry, and I think it's okay to be upset, and I think it's okay to be angry. I think it's the way that you respond. Um, it's more helpful in my experience to be able to take the time as a, as a just a call out, a subtle call out. You know, you subtly microaggress me, and I'm gonna subtly microaggress you back in a way. So that's kind of that's how I look at things. I hear you. I hear you definitely. So, um, so that's tying in also with that communication piece. So, I love that. I love that. Um, so, when people know better, they can do better next time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so absolutely. You are listening to the Edgy Match Podcast. Daddy's Favorites is a book about sibling rivalry and exceptionalities and autism and love and i hope that all families can read it and find joy in it and i also hope that children who read it will be able to get kind of an insider view of how other people that have exceptionalities experience life and how their family dynamics are the same and different to um, maybe what yours are. So I hope that you really enjoy the book and I can't wait to hear all the feedback. You are listening to EduMatch. All right, so so let's talk about one more stakeholder in this process. Um, 
So witnesses, witnesses to micro microaggressions. So, um, you know, sometimes people say bystanders. I've heard people start using the term upstanders. Um, so what are some ways that, that witnesses can best, you know, serve as resources in standing up against microaggressions? You know, you know what? Not everybody is going to respond. So let's say I, I'm the one that got a micro, you know, a microaggression came at me. Um, I might just be in a shock or I may not just respond or I might um, want to walk away or, you know, turn out the cheek type of mentality. I think if there are bystanders, if there's witnesses around, I think it's really good to be vocal uh, and, and provide a voice. You know, if, if that individual is maybe they're just too stunned or they're just not in a place to where they uh, can, res can respond, um, that's an opportunity for you to to say something. You know, don't, you know, I always, when I get these kind of questions, I always think about, um, what's my man on Dateline, Quinones, uh, Quinones, uh, uh, with the, what would you John do? John Quinones, yeah. Yeah, 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 I always think about him because, you know, they put you in those scenarios where they, they set it up to where, you know, maybe someone being treated, mistreated, often someone being mistreated. And, and they say, well, what would you do? And I always try to think, what if, what if this is that moment right now? What if John is, is back in the, in a restaurant somewhere in his van, there's a van across the street, it's unmarked. I don't know who's in there, right? And what if this is that moment to where they're gonna jump out and be like, well, here's some footage, you didn't do anything. What are your thoughts? What were you thinking during this? You know, I don't, you know, you don't wanna be that person, right? So I think, Overall, it, it's you know we should speak, up. And, and and maybe I'm being extreme, um, but it, you get what I'm saying. Like, what if this is that moment where someone's watching you, or that individual that just had that microaggression come their way? They need someone to to be in their corner, and that can be a student, that can be a parent, that can be a, um, another teacher, a principal, whoever. You know, sometimes they just need someone in their corner. And being able to stand up and say, no, that's wrong. Like, look what you're doing. Uh, and checking people. And like I said, uh, and, and if the, the individual is, is the first to respond, join in. You know, just because that person says something, you know, a microaggression comes to me and I respond to it, doesn't mean, oh, okay, it's been handled. It. Someone got, they got this already. You know, no, don't be like, if you have something to say, say something. Yeah, I totally hear you on that. And and I, I I agree. I'm thinking on like recent incidents that we hear about in the news and the role that the witnesses have played in, you know, bringing people to justice. Like, for example, that incident at Starbucks, um, mm -hmm. you know, and the the lady like live streamed it or recorded it. Um, you know, and, and several incidents like that, like with, with technology now in our pocket, you know, and we can live stream and we can do all kinds of things to just put an end to it. So, um, you know, and, and to stand up and let people know that it will not be tolerated. So, um, so I love, I love your perspective on that. So thank you so much for sharing that. So you have some exciting things going on um, and you are just, you know, just killing it all around. So, uh, I'm going to ask you, what can we expect to see from you in the near future? Mm. 
<sighs> what do you expect to see? I think um, I want to. I want to. I have some some surprises. I can't reveal right now, right? But I, I have some things that I'm planning to roll out this summer. So if you are a subscriber to the podcast, leading equity shout out, uh, definitely. I encourage you to join in because um, I have something special happening this summer. Um, one of the things that I do on the side uh, is my wife and I we run a nonprofit called the Active Student, and basically the Active Student is a nonprofit that supports students that are from disadvantaged backgrounds and helping them uh, be successful um, through throughout high school, throughout elementary, middle school, high school, and then through college. Because again, I'm a component of uh, getting your education. And so uh, we have down the road, hopefully next summer, we're hoping to roll out a, a conference. So that will be not this coming summer, but the following summer. Uh, so that's down the road. Um, otherwise, you know, I want to just continue to uh, produce content for listeners who selfishly, I started it because, you know, I wanted to learn more. Uh, and I wanted to be able to share that with others. So those are a couple of things that I have. Like I said, it's a secret coming up this summer, but stay tuned. It's, it's coming out. Okay. I'm so here for that. And I know everybody else is too. So, so that is awesome. And in the Twitter chat, I'm just kind of going through and seeing some great, great comments. Um, Marvia was saying that she'd like to hear more, have resources to share, to equip herself and other educators, um, you know, regarding, I believe the microaggressions discussion. So would love to have you back for like maybe a tweet and talk, uh, where we can go even more in depth on a topic. If, if you're up, for I'm that. in, I'm in yes. anytime, anytime. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm <laughs> All in. Right. So stay tuned, stay tuned for a part two of this conversation. Um, so, okay. Awesome. So how can people learn more about you or get in touch with you online? Uh, you can go to my website, SheldonAkins.com. That's uh, Akins is spelled E-A-K-I-N-S. I know it looks like Eakins, uh, but it's SheldonAkins.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Sheldon Akins. And um, I do have LinkedIn and also I have a Facebook. So you know, all of them, Sheldon Akins. <laughs> I try to brand it real easy so I won't forget my password and username. So that's that's where you can find me best. Uh, I post, uh, publish new episodes of the Leading Equity uh, Podcast every Monday and Thursday. Oops. All right. Fantastic. That is awesome. So thank you so much for taking the time out to chat with us, Dr. Akins. It was great, you know, chatting with you, hearing your insight um, and hearing more about you. So um, it was definitely a pleasure having you here on EduMatch. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate this opportunity. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And thank you to everybody who is tuning in. So great conversation on um, on the YouTube live. So definitely saving this chat so that we can um, post that as well along with the episode. So speaking of the episode, we will be posting it. So it's available here on Facebook Live. In addition, it'll be available on Facebook uh, within a few weeks and um, on as a podcast. So definitely tune in for that. Um, in addition, speaking of tuning in, tune in, same bad time, same bad channel. Well, not same bad time, same bad channel as this, but <laughs> as we usually do tweet and talk, we're coming back for Tweet and Talk on Sunday, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern. So that's going to be this week. We're going to have Dr. Sam Fesich, and she will be uh, discussing EduMagic. So uh, helping pre-service teachers, you know, get ready and already be that educator of excellence that's within them. So that's going to be great. 
still room on panel. So you can sign up if you're interested. Panelist, no, I'm sorry, podcast with an s.edumatch.org forward slash sign up if you want to be on panel for that. So it's going to be six o'clock. So uh, with all that being said, we're going to go ahead and sign off. So uh, everybody have a great rest of your week and see you Sunday night. You're an edge match. Edge match. Don't miss edge match. Don't miss edge match. You're an edge match.